This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Hello, hello, activators. An activator, by definitions, is a substance used to induce or accelerate a reaction. You, my listeners, are the activators that are needed to shake things up in education in the realm of building and maintaining highly effective and successful teams in our schools. Welcome to the Squad Builder Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Gerard Phillips, Sr. Thank you for joining us on today. I have a great guest with me. Um, I first listened to her back in, I think it was 2019. She was talking SEL before a lot, before COVID, before a lot of people was talking it. She presented at the NESP conference and I was blown away and I've been following her on Twitter and her work ever since. So without further ado, Amy, go ahead and speak a little bit about who you are as a leader, and then um, we'll jump into some questions I have for you. Absolutely. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me as a guest, Gerard. It's really great to keep these connections with people at conferences, and I know we're going to talk about that in today's episode, but uh, you and I are a true testament to that. When you get to know people and you keep those conversations going over the years, it's it's such a, a blessing to have a network. So, I am Amy Mason. I am a former school principal. I worked for nine years in the state of Alabama as a schools and also started my admin career in the state of Maryland, working for Howard County Public Schools as an assistant principal, and then spanned the rest of my career as an educator, as a teacher in Maryland, Virginia, Indiana, and Arizona. So I've been around a few places and um, definitely grateful for those experiences. I always took a little piece of something with me everywhere I went. And I think it's shaped my leadership style and being under different principles and leaders and then having the opportunity to lead in those settings. So um, I have stepped away from the principalship, but you know, once a leader, always a leader. I'm still leading in other capacities and look forward to talking to you about that today. Awesome. Thank you, Amy. She is amazing, y'all. The work that she has done, you hear all the states that she has been in. You were right. I'm in Delaware. You were right in my backyard in Maryland. And I think it's always pretty cool when you worked under different principles and you can learn um, some different strategies on how to get the work done in school. So with that being said, question one, uh, Speak to how you built your team and how you led when you were a principal, because I know you probably picked up a lot of things from different principals and kind of added it to your toolbox. But speak to what you did um, 
in reference to building your team, maintaining your team, and how you led when you were a principal? Because we're going to get to your work now. That's right. Well, as a leader, I always felt that, you know, my voice did not need to be the loudest in the room. And uh, I saw myself as a conductor of an orchestra. So I'm a musical person. That's a an interest I have. And I'm a child of a music educator, so I can make a lot of connections to that. But, you know, when you, when you are a conductor and you have an orchestra, you don't want to hear just one part. You want to hear all of the different parts. And that's what comes together to make beautiful music. And in a school setting, I always wanted to give a platform for my teachers to have a voice and feel like they could contribute to just sharing needs or concerns that existed within the school areas that they felt like we might need improvement. And then also giving them opportunities to build their leadership skills and their capacity to lead specific projects and things like that. So I tried to really open up lines of communication with people so that they could contribute and we could work together to to solve problems. I tried to support them in ways, um, whether it be, you know, providing funding for them to have the resources to be able to attend a conference or participate in a specific event that would help to further the school But I think it goes beyond that as well, because you just have to care about your employees as people and really giving them just that feeling that you truly care about them as an individual. And it's more than just a job. You know, we we want teachers to give their all to the students and we need to be willing to do that for the same people that are working underneath us. And I feel like uh I've been able to do that in a few ways. I was able to actually have a few people follow me when I moved from one school to the next. And I know you are just now going through that experience, Gerard, but you know, when you move and people appreciate the work you're doing and they hear that you have vacancies at your school, I feel like that's the biggest compliment that someone can give is that they want to come and take a job where you're working. And so I had the opportunity to hire several people that had worked with me in other school capacities and was very grateful for that. And we, of course, had some great synergy of working together in the past. And um, and it was because I had given them some opportunities to lead and made them feel that they had a voice and they were valued. I think that's truly why they wanted to come alongside of me. So, um, you know, even as I was leaving the principalship, I just left in July of 2022. And I had told Gerard this, but like one of my instructional coaches had decided that she also wanted to move on to some other capacity after I had left the school. And not only did I serve as a reference for her, for her job, but I drove her to her job interview and took her out to lunch that day because, you know, I care about her as a person. And I think you need to care about all of your employees in that way. Um, that, that just shows that you're genuine and you're not using people, but you really genuinely care for them. See, I, I like how you talk about the genuineness of showing people you care for them because I think a lot of times it gets caught like, oh, this person did this for me so I can do that. And it seems like it's transactional. But what you're speaking to is the genuine love for taking care of people because we always, the cliche about teachers taking care of kids and going all out for kids, but are we doing that for teachers and supporting them? And your work is evident in that when educators want to follow you because they know 
your mission, your vision, your core values, and it aligns with theirs. And I know for myself and the teachers that followed you and educators that moved on along with you or in other roles where you served as a mentor or a reference to state that that goes far beyond what a paycheck can offer um, because that type of support is a peace of mind. And when they have that peace of mind, they're, they're bringing positive energy home to their spouses and their kids. And you can't put a price tag on that. That's right. And they know that they can reach out to you at any time, even when you're no longer their supervisor, they know that you will be there for them. I tell you, um, that's a, that's one of the things that I found about building teams, like, People, when they really know what you're about, they they will follow you. Like if that distance, um, they'll even take a minor pay cut to know that they're working for someone that is going to support them as well as uh, support kids. Because even 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 teachers that may not like you know stay stay clingy to a leader or you know they just go about their work or they don't really interact with the leader outside of meetings or need need to they do want a principal that is like visible and present with kids um because i've been told that even you know we always gonna have people in our buildings everybody will be the warm and fuzzy it just might not be their personality but they will respect the leader that they know is all in for kids even if they don't quite agree with all your moves. Um, when that's at the bottom line, they they gonna rock with you. That's right. That's right. Model what you expect. There you go. Model what you expect. <laughs> I'm writing down notes from you. All right. So we we first interacted at the NESP conference, and um, anywhere I go or talk to people, I'm just telling them conferences and professional developments are the way to go like i know in education right now we talk about shortages and funding and um i've been talking with my assistant principal about creative ways to um you know secure funding to make sure that our teachers and teacher leaders get experiences to go to conferences and get outside of our district um because i don't think they realize that a lot of the struggles or the things that they want to do in a the classroom they think it's not possible if they can get to a conference and meet with other teachers and teacher leaders throughout the country, they'll see the great things that are happening. They'll start exchanging emails and numbers and Twitter handles and whatnot and see that it's a lot of different things possible if you get outside of your bubble. Um, so for my next question, how did conferences and other professional development help you on your journey? Absolutely. Well, I will say a few things. First of all, the networking that happens at conferences is unmatched. You have a few days that you can be together with like-minded people in similar capacities and, and really bounce ideas off of each other, as you said. And also, you know, sometimes when you're networking with people within your own system, sometimes you're afraid to share certain things because you don't want it either to be um, maybe somebody stealing your thunder. I know that happens sometimes, but also... You Big wanna, facts on that one. Yes, but you also want a trusted person that, you know, if I share this, they're not going to, you know, reveal this to people within my central office community or something. Sometimes you just need to talk through some things. And I'll, I'll say that, you know, having people in other states that you can reach out to, you'll find that there are a lot more similarities in the challenges that they're facing than anything. Even though they may have different state tests and other expectations within their school, 
Um, sometimes it's interesting to hear about those things too, what things are different. But I think that, you know, being able to have that shared experience with someone in another place is so, so helpful. And when you start attending these national conferences, um, you learn that you see a lot of people that are similar every year that you go. And it becomes almost a reunion of sorts where, um, you know, family reunions are fun. It's like an extended family. You go and you have some, some people that you need to connect with and talk to and find out the latest things that are happening for them in their workplace and um, even personally on that level. And it's really great to just know that you have these people that, you know, even though they're, they're not right down the road from you, you can reach out to them on Twitter, social media and other aspects to talk to them about things that are happening or, um, you know, that you'll see them maybe once a year at those conferences. You know, for us and I'm sure Delaware is the same, but I have participated in the State Principals Association and in Alabama, it's called CLASS, which is the Council of Leaders in Alabama Schools. And the awesome thing about CLASS is that we are, have meetings at the local district level meetings, but then we also have state meetings. So even if you're not somebody who enjoys going, you know, states away for professional development, there are typically great PD options with other leaders just within your state that you can participate in. And through my involvement with that, I actually was the Alabama Principal of the Year, the National Distinguished Principal from 2021. So, woo woo, yes. So, uh, you know, it's it's great to, of course, receive that re recognition among your colleagues. It was a selection process among your colleagues. And, um, you know, principals don't get a lot of accolades for the work that they do. And it's it was definitely a wonderful opportunity to have some recognition. And that was brought to you by the National Association of Elementary School Principals. And they, they put on quite an event to highlight principals. So, um, you know, I can't say enough about the opportunities that were afforded to me just through participation in those organizations. Yeah, I, rem I remember cheering you on. I remember that. Like, I'm like, getting it, getting it done. Really yes. getting it done. Um, I like how you said about, it's kind of like a reunion when you get back to a conference and it's people you met years ago. Um, this, and I don't have this question, but I'm going to ask this one because I know you presented and you sat in sessions as well. The... And I'm going to throw something out there and you can speak to that. I think that the conversation at the table before and after a session starts, um, when you're talking with um, other principals and you're, you're throwing ideas and issues or problems out, I found that, you know, locally, when you talk with some, some colleagues, it could turn into a complaining fest. But at the national conferences, it's all like solutions based like people start throwing out ideas like, oh, we had that problem last year. This is how we tackled it. And you're like, I can't write this stuff down fast enough. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you attend a session and it might be an SEL session, like the one that you and I met together at. And you find people who have a similar leadership approach or, or have similar priorities. And so when you start talking through things, you're right. You end up coming up with solutions and, you know, things that, it, it's, I, I said it's some of the best professional development you can receive. And that's not even the things that are in the conference program. Those are those sidebar conversations that you're talking about. 
that's the them sidebar conversations are life like I still got some notebooks and some little some little uh, post-it notes stuck to pages of those conference books of things that I refer back to. So I'm glad you could could speak to that because I, I really geek out on the NESB conference every year. Like that's my no matter what I'm doing, what work is getting done, um, even when I went to my current school, my current district, um, my one on one with the superintendent. Uh, after I'm, you know, met with the board and everything happened, that was my main thing. Like, hey, this is what I do. Conference, the NESB conference, PDs. Like, I don't know how this district's funding works, but I gotta make it happen. And um, she was on board, so I gotta, gotta bring Delaware. We got Delaware. Gotta pack that. Delaware was deep this year. We gotta pack the house some more. That's great. <laughs> Well, and I'm hearing next year's conference is going to be even larger because they're merging the Elementary Pr Principals Association and the mm -hmm. Secondary Association. So it'll be a really big event in Nashville in 2024. Yeah, I think that'd be good because I know I, I follow and connect with a lot of secondary people. So it'd be good to all learn together because yes. there are some strategies K through 12 that can be um, vertically aligned and we could really, really jump into. We get to expand the family reunion this time. <laughs> expand it. It's going to be, it's going to be live. It's going to be live. It's going to be hot down there. All right. Now I really want to get into this next one. I want you to talk about aim to educate. Cause I know when I first seen it on Twitter, I'm like, Amy is doing it. Like she just was doing it at a higher level as a principal. And now she's consulting. Like, I always think that's huge because I saw your work. So I know what you're bringing to the consulting space. So speak to that. Yes. So I founded Aim to Educate in last, well, the end of last summer after I stepped away from the full-time principalship. And Aim to Educate actually has a meaning. So, you know, I'm Amy and Aim is a nickname that people had always given me over the years. But the two actually in my logo is an arrow. And, you know, I have two children and in the Bible, it says that children are like arrows and you're sending them out into the world to kind of, you know, go forward and, and push forward the mission of children. And, you know, you think about us as educators, that's what we're doing with schools full of children is we're trying to push those arrows out and, you know, to be productive members of society and really, really working toward doing those things as adults. And so my mission in Aim to Educate is really to come alongside school leaders and help them push forward some of the goals and objectives that they have to improve their school. And, you know, there's not enough of us to go around sometimes. I've been in that principal's chair and, you know, there's things flying. You have things that you need to address that people are asking you. You're trying to send and keep up with emails, with communication of all your stakeholder groups. But sometimes professional development is an area that you really want to take by the by the reins with your school and be able to push forward things. And most principals are really good at, at providing those things. They were teachers at heart, and that's why they became leaders in a school setting. But it's also a time constraint because there's not always time to build that PD that you want to offer for your teachers. So as Gerard said, he met me in 2019. I was doing work related to school schools that needed SEL. And um, that was before the pandemic. And, you know, children came back after that in, in a very different state and they had a lot of needs. And so being able to come in and really help principals know 
here's a way that you can start bringing about SEL approaches within your school and within your classrooms and providing some of that training for teachers because, you know, some teachers are not super comfortable with doing these strategies in their classrooms and they like to see things modeled. They want to have opportunities to hear what the research is saying. And so I'm able to provide a lot of those tools in someone's toolbox that I can come in and provide that training for schools and give some of that real-time feedback of, you know, here's, here's the, some things that you might want to try. Here's some things that are working even down to the level of your tiered strategies like MTSS kids that you're trying to figure out, okay, what else can we try? There's a lot of those meetings where people are scratching their heads. And as you said before, we want to be solutions focused. And so I'm there to help provide some solutions for schools. And uh, so you can find me at aimtoeducate.com. And uh, I would love to you know, have people reach out to me and see if there's a way that I can support either professional development wise or coming in alongside some of your professional teaching staff. Thank you, Amy. And you know, I, I'm glad you broke that aim part down. And when you spoke to those arrows, I'm like getting goosebumps over here, how that all, how it just wraps around your work. And I know some schools with funding and now like, you know, they think COVID's beyond and they're starting to ease up off their SEL work. I think that's the wrong thing to do because COVID has shown the COVID error has shown what kids need. And it looks like kids and staff is all, all has always needed that. And if we trend away from that, I think the consequences of that could be dire. So I think, you know, consultants like you, I think your work speaks volumes because we can push the instruction all day long, but if, the teacher's mindset isn't there and the kid's mindset isn't there. I think we're going to set ourselves up for failure. And I like how you also talked about, you know, teachers wanted to model for them. Um, that's the one thing that I can say that my work with teachers and serving teachers, they don't want to implement anything wrong. And I know sometimes people get frustrated thinking that, you know, teachers are in a PD session or they're pushing back against implementation of something new. A lot of times it's not that, um, and a lot of times it's not even the one more thing syndrome. At the heart of it is, I want to make sure that I'm getting the proper and effective training and professional development on it because they really don't want to do anything that damages kids. That's right. And the other challenge, Gerard, is teachers don't want a packaged program because Bam. they don't have time in their instructional day to add one more packaged thing that is a you must do to fidelity program. And so mm -hmm. the more that you can show people ways that they can bring about these practices into the things that they're already doing in the classroom and that are very easy to implement and really ideally build strong relationships with kids, it's the right work. It's what kids need and teachers will feel successful. And I think that's what they need right now in this profession. Look, I'm glad you spoke to the, you know, that they don't want one more thing with package program. I want to do a disclaimer. My thoughts are not the thoughts of my employer, <laughs> but I will say, because I got to say this, because I, I just I just keep it real. And those that know me know, like, this is who I am. And, and you're a consultant, so I'm glad you said it. 
sometimes us as districts, we need to start pushing back on some of these people selling us programs and stating um, it won't be effective unless you that you devote this amount of time to it. Um, because when you got ELA or math programs stating, um, it won't, if you buy it, it won't be effective. You can't do it for 120 minutes. Well, our district, might, we might only be able to do it for 90, so we ain't buying it. Because if we give you 120 minutes, we can't get science in, we can't get social studies in, we can't get this SEL block it. Like we, but that, that's I might bring you on for another podcast. I might bring a, a panel of principals and consultants on, like consultants like you, on to do a podcast episode on that because that is one of my pet peeves when we are given this much time in a day, and you have a consultant coming to the program stating that we must do this amount of it in order for it to be effective. Now nah, we got, we got, we got to do better than that. No. And I think that's a disconnect with maybe people who are building those tools, not really understanding the demands of an instructional day in a school setting. So uh, it's, it's uh, true. <laughs> because, and before I move on to the next question, the school I went to, the school I'm at now, when I got there, um, the master schedule was so the kids only got 20 minutes of recess. I said, we robbing kids. So I had to make some adjustments. Them kids got their whole 30 this year. Not with, with me and principal. We're not doing. And, you know, I was told throughout the state, like, that's starting to be common practice. Common practice. Nah, not under my watch. Them kids getting a full 30-minute recess. <laughs> yes, yes. And and it's thinking about what's best for children. And I think that's how we need to, that's the, the lens we need to be looking through. So I said, we'll we'll get that 10 minutes back from through not having extended um, entries and dismissals. Let's get straight to business and get kids in and out. That way we can make sure they get that 10 minutes of recess. So we we found it in some processes. I'm like, nah, I'm like 20 minutes. They just getting out there nah. <laughs> and, you know, but, that's actually where they're practicing those SEL skills. All those social emotional skills come out when they actually have to learn how to implement things without an adult directing it. And so mm. that, that's important. It's really important to children. Mm. You speak, see, this is why activators, this is why I, when I first went to her session, I'm like, for every conference after that, I made sure I went to her session because she just kept building, building on this work. So some of the stuff that I use in schools, I've, I've stole from some of your sessions. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's a huge compliment. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Question four for you. What advice would you give to current teacher leaders, aspiring leaders, and principals around recruiting and retaining quality educators? Because in this in this second season, I'm I'm really going to hone in on teacher leaders because I I don't really think that they they get elevated as much as they should because they are the backbone of a lot of schools. Um, especially yes. schools that don't have assistant principals. So if you could speak Absolutely. to that for me. Yes. Yeah, so I think with recruitment, you know, first of all, your reputation speaks for itself. And the more that you take care of the employees that are currently under your supervision, and as I referred to in my previous question of really valuing them, you know, listening to their needs, whether it be on a professional or personal level, supporting them through those things, that reputation carries its weight when it goes out to other people. And a lot of times they will be your biggest cheerleaders to refer candidates to you that will want to come and, and be a part of your school setting. I would say partnerships with universities 
making sure that you're allowing some of these pre-service teachers to have a really high quality experience, field experience with a strong teacher leader to show them the right way to go about the work. I think those individuals are, are valuable and, you know, that those are the people then that say, I really like the culture in this building and I would love to work here. So I think that's huge. The other piece of that retention is, you know, it's, it's not all about salaries. People may say, you know, that they go where the money is and things like that, but it's truly about how you make people feel. And if they are excited to come to work and they feel like they have ownership over some of the things that are happening in your building, they get excited about the things that are in place. That's where that shared leadership capacity comes in, where those people will do just about anything for the school and for, for the, the betterment of the children in that school community. So the more that you can establish that type of a culture in your building, it's going to come back twofold with your re recruitment and retention. Oh my God, I, I could I could just give you a virtual high five and fist bump on that one because you were right. It's it's not all about it's not all about the money. Like people see people do want to go work in a place that's bringing some positive energy. Um, they see that the leader is really supporting teachers and really trying to push the work and not with not with lip service um, because teachers. They recruit for us and they got a different vantage point. They got a different vantage point. Um, so I like I like your take on that. When we are so aligned there, activators, y'all gotta go follow Amy Mason because she this is this is who she is at conferences, presenting. This is who she is. Um, last question for you. When we were in the pre-show, you had said something profound, and I want to end the show with you expounded on this statement that you dropped on me. Um, you have stated that the experiences of today are going to prepare you for tomorrow. You have to elaborate on that one. Yes. So, you know, I know that when you're on your journey as a, as a leader and, you know, I say even starting out as a teacher leader, sometimes you don't always understand maybe why promotions are not happening when they, sh when you feel that you're ready or when you feel they should come. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, being patient and really taking on whatever leadership capacities that you can until you're afforded the opportunity to step into an administrative role. Um, and I know that was me because it took, several years in Maryland for me to actually move into that uh, capacity of assistant principal role. And it wasn't because I wasn't doing a good job, but it was things that they wanted me to have really diverse experiences, such as different grade levels. Um, you know, I was able to see some very different vantage points within the school and they proved to be very valuable moving forward as an administrator to understand perspectives. But, you know, the other piece of that is, as, as we talked about, I did a lot of work in my school setting around SEL and trying to figure out ways to support students' needs because their behaviors were showing that there were things that they were lacking and uh, things that you might expect that children would get from their homes that they just were not getting. And I did a lot of research around that and ways to support children through trauma. And then my own life story sort of dovetailed with all this work that I had done around trauma. So in December of 2020, I suddenly lost my husband due to a pulmonary, pulmonary embolism. 
and I'm the mother of two school-aged children. And all of a sudden, the strategies that I was using with children in the school setting became invaluable to my approach with children, my own children in the home. And, you know, one of the biggest pieces of that that I say is when you when you have adversity that comes along your way, whether you're the teacher in the classroom or you're the mom in the home setting, children respond based on how they see the adult responding to the circumstances. And they are watching you. They are your audience members and they want to see how you're going you to You got to say that one more time. You got I'm sorry yes. to cut you off, but you got drop that one more time. That's right. So children respond to the circumstances based on the way that they see the adults handling the adversity that they're facing. And, you know, I had two choices. I could fall apart and not get my act together, which wouldn't have been productive for anybody. And I don't want to minimize that there was a grieving process because of course there was. And the things that you do behind closed doors are different than what you do when you have an audience of children. Um, and with your own children, it's okay for them to see you cry and things like that. But uh, the other part of that is, you know, when they're with you, you need to give them 100% and you need to be, you know, fully supportive of them. And you need to give them confidence that they know that you have everything under control. And, um, you know, that's that's one of the things that I feel I've learned, like one of the lessons from some of these, these challenging circumstances that I've learned and, um, you know, just trusting that all of these little steps along the way and along my journey, um, and I have to put a little plug in about community partnerships in your schools, because all of these little steps of building partnerships with people within the community came back twofold when I stepped out to build my LLC and was looking to take on contract work on my own so that I could actually give back to my own children right now in this time of need. So, you know, the experiences you have today are definitely going to prepare you for tomorrow, even when you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. There you all have it. Amy Mason, renowned school leader, consultant. Amy, I know you dropped information earlier, but drop it one more time before we get out of here. Yes. How can the activators reach out to you? You can find me at aim the number two educate.com and also you can follow me on Twitter at a Mason principal. Awesome. Activators, until next time, let's activate, motivate, and squad up.